For KWSO, I'm Brutus Baez. Veterans have always held a place of honor for Warren Springs people. Today, the tradition of serving in the military continues. Right now, here is Austin Smith, Jr. My senior year, there was a lot going on at the time with the country, with war, and I was like... You know, I knew school was going to be expensive, and I wanted to go to Oregon State, but I knew the tuition was, you know, really expensive. So one of my advisors at school was like, you know, there's a military option, and, you know, that will help out as well. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And one day I seen, like, this uh, um, Army recruit came in, talked to me. He's like, yeah, come look at the Army, look at opportunities. And I have an older half-brother that was in the Army. My older sister, Winter Sky, she was in the Army. Yeah, Yeah, so I was just like, yeah, that's. I think that's something I want to do. And then, you know, I talked to him a bit, set up interviews, and then this one day, this Marine recruiter comes walking down the hallway in his dress blues and, you know, medals on and everything. This is in school. Yeah, this is in school. (laughs) So I'm just thinking, like, who's that guy? Yeah. It's like, man, he looks badass. And, you know, all these medals on him. Yeah. And just at that instance, I was like, hey, that's a Marine. Like, And so he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, starts talking to me in the hallway, just BSing with me. A bunch of guys sitting around were like, oh, man, what you doing? Yeah, what's your job? What do you what do you do in the Marines? And he starts telling us a little bit about it, and he's like, pulls me to the side. It's like, hey, are you interested in joining? I was like, well, I don't know. I don't. What, what do the Marines do? And he's like, you. He's like, well, do you know um Sunshine Ubeta? I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, he's a Marine. He went to school here at Madras High. You know, he fought in. Uh, he started telling me all these, you yeah. know, the invasion and all that. And he's like, he's an infantry. I'm like, no way. He's like, yep. I keep track of all the guys in the Central Oregon area. So it's like, hey. You know, if you uh, have some time, you know, let's review your ASVAB score and maybe we could get you uh, signed up or looking at job opportunities in yeah. the Marine Corps. So that same day we sat down, did like the ASVAB review. I go- had a good score. And he's like, these are the job opportunities for you in the military. And this is what the contract would be. And I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, maybe I want to do this. You know, if I want to join the military, why not join the most badass guys is a Marine. <laughs> is it true? I, I pause for I've always wanted this because I, I, you know, I've had a few people in my life that uh, do all this kind of stuff that in the Army and everything, and they have, like, little names for each other when they tease each other, right? But I've always known and always heard that Marines are the badasses. Yeah, I mean, like, well, you know, you, from the get-go, from any, you know, from the Battle of Bella Wood, World War One, from, uh, you know, from Iwo Jima, World War Two. To like you know the invasion of Iraq, Afghanistan, right. saying Helms Province, um, Fallujah. The Marines were like the tip of the spear. They're the shock force. They go in and they take over and they just that's their whole job, is just wipe out the enemy and yeah. kill. You know we're we're basically a shock troop. You know shock troops on the ground, land, air, and sea. And you know there's the other branches like Army. Army they're more of a police force. They're so big. You know oh, they're the, you, they're the ones you. that go in and occupy an area. And they have so many more jobs in there. The Marines, we have, we're limited to certain jobs, limited to funding. So, right. you know, they basically just train us to kill, 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 and just basically take over countries, invade, all of that stuff. You know, we're there to protect the nation as well. So, you know, that that was my my initial thought was like, man, these guys are pretty badass. Yeah. But when I got into it, I realized, like, oh, this is going to suck. You know, I knew it. <laughs> I was like... When I went to boot camp, I was like, man, am I really here? You know, yeah. somebody pinched, somebody wake me up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there I was, you know, in uh, MCRD San Diego boot camp, you know, just freshly 18 years old. I was like, man, my parents had to sign a waiver when I signed up 
you know, out of high school. So yeah. I was like, I was 17 when I enlisted. And, you know, I went in as 18 under the delayed entry program. So I knew where I was going to go. I knew what job I was going to do. I was infantry. Yeah. yeah, I knew I was going to be uh, within less than a year. I was gonna, probably going to be in combat. Yeah. So I, I was just kind of, it hit me when I was in boot camp. I was like, man, this You're is what I'm doing. Here. I'm actually here. Yeah. And so, you know, I went through all the motions. Boot camp sucked. Then I came home for a little spell and uh, had a Do few days Do people go back? What's the thing? What's the ratio of people that don't go back? Oh, man. There's probably less than maybe 5% that actually, you know, that they that go AWOL been. or they pop on drugs because they drug test you all the time. In the oh, military. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's always that. Guys yeah. getting in trouble, DUIs, all that crazy stuff. It always happens. But, yeah, probably less because majority of the time the guys who get out of boot camp, yeah, they, they want to go back because yeah, yeah, they know they, okay. they have a job. And, you know, else you don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so from there I, uh, you know, went to infantry training. That's about, you know, roughly uh, 11, 12 weeks. And then from there I went to my unit and I was like hating life again because I'm the fresh guy. The new guys, you know, were called boots. You know, we didn't rate hair. So <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of uh, torturous things do they do? Oh man, there's just so many ways of hazing that you know they, they cut back on a little bit now. But back when I went in, it was like the era of the the guys who invaded Iraq, who did the 2003 2004 deployment. So oh, like okay, Fallujah okay. Yeah. and all that. So they were all there, and they were just like you know they lost a lot of Marines. Our battalion lost 33 guys during that pump. And so we're like the, the, you know, the new guys is showing up. So they're just like, oh yeah, new new guys, let's let's f them up, you know. <laughs> so you know they had nothing else to do because we we're in between a deployment. So it was like getting ready for our workup uh-huh. training. And so we were had to we had to be yeah you know, the new guys who got trained and hazed. You know we got through the shower. You know thrown in the shower with it on and doing push ups, sweating your ass off. Or they have this thing where they. Uh, you know, they say, like, build a bridge so you're sitting on your head with your hands behind your back building, like, a tripod. Ugh. Oh, man, you know, for, for, like, hours of sitting there and doing push-ups and, you know, running back and forth, play, playing what they call fuck-fuck games, you know, yeah, stuff like yeah. that that just sucks. But, you know, it, it was all like a uh, um, rite of passage, you know. You, yeah, you go yeah. through the phase of hazing. And that's how you guys become that bond. That oh, yeah, they break you down, yeah, yeah. you know, get to know who 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 basically breaks under pressure. Yeah. Those are the guys that weave out. They're like, yeah, we don't want him. You know, he, he has an attitude problem. He, oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't we can't have that in our unit, so they'll send him off somewhere to some other different unit. So, you know, it all works out, and that's kind of like the system had a Marine Corps, and a lot of those, um, you know, even the Army works that way as well, and um, they have they weave everyone out. So got into my unit as infantry, thrown into a team, four-man team, and we're like, all right, you know, we start doing briefings on, like, this is where we're going in Iraq, Al-Ambar province. You know, it's a heated area. So we're like, man, we're actually going to fight in, you know, in this uh, war. Yeah. So we did our workup. It was like the six- to nine-month workup. Um, and then we were deployed. I mean, we got over there, and, and, you know, it was like, I remember, like, we flew in to uh, Camp Al-Assad, and they're like, all right, well, get on the helicopters. We're going into your combat zone. I'm like, wow, going to combat zone. And my squadron's like, hey, Smith, getting that, uh, you know, getting that combat paid now, their boot. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, you know. Wow, wow. So we, like, flew in at night and got into our uh, um, operating base, which was the area called Haditha Dam. And, you know, it was like the Sunni Triangle. It was, like, 
pretty hut and heavy. There was, you know, a lot of fighting going on. And so we went into the area thinking, like, man, you know, we're going to go right into it, like in a fog of war. Yeah. Like, we got there. It was pretty mellow. Yeah. And I was like, man, this ain't too bad. You know, it's like morning hit. And they're yeah, like, all right, yeah. we got a patrol at 07. Like, all right, yeah, this patrol. I remember, you know, training for this. And, like, we're getting out, going to the uh, um, ASP, which is, like, where they keep all the ammo, grenades, oh, and right, all right, that. We right. check in, check out. So we're getting there. We're getting filled up on our ammo, filled in all our mags. You know, we're getting grabbing grenades, grabbing rockets. And we're, like, are getting ready for a patrol. And all I remember is this loud whistle over our heads. I'm like, what? what's that? And we could just hear one, get the F down, get, get, take cover. We started getting mortared, rockets coming in at us. Wow. Boom, boom, all around us. I just remember peeking over this little HESCO barrier, and I see this splash, and I, this sergeant grabs me by the you know, helmet, throws me down, like, get your ass down. <laughs> so I'm like, then you could just feel the shrapnel, everything flying over our heads. And I'm like, holy crap. Is this, yeah, this is real. You know, I had yeah. to like snap too and realize like oh this is real yeah i'm, I'm in war now <laughs> wow what year was that that was uh oh five oh five yeah. wow i think i was somewhere <laughs> sipping my ties oh man somewhere yeah and then so after the war you come home and then how do you adjust to it here you go to school uh yeah well not from the not initially you know yeah um getting out it was just like you know what's next you know i had the option to re-enlist you know, I had the option to get out. I was like, yeah, I'm getting out. There's a lot going on in my family then. That's when I lost my brother to suicide right, right. in 09. And so I knew I wanted to get out and, you know, kind of relieve the stress for my family. So I got out and I was just like, you know, I'm going to, you know, just kind of hang out, you know, collect unemployment since I'm fresh out for a little bit and figure yeah. out where I'm going to go from here. And so, you know, I got out, started partying, started, you know, feeling the effects of PTSD and realizing, like, man, this sucks, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. I want to go back. You know, that was my f- initial thought was I want to go back. You know, I miss all my buddies. They're about to deploy to Afghanistan. I want to be there with them. And, you know, I, on my um, girlfriend, you know, my, my wife, but she was a girlfriend at the time, you know, she was going to school at the um, Central Oregon Community College. And, uh, you know, she's like, you know, maybe you should pursue – education like you said you were gonna I'm like well maybe and i was like thought about it she was taking those fall classes <clears throat> so i was like all right well maybe i'll you know go for it so i contacted the va the educate the veterans assistant for educations and i was like well let's you know let's get in classes so yeah. i then they asked me, like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, there's a lot. You know, I want I like the outdoors. I like wildlife. I like fisheries. I like, you know, forestry. And like, all right, well, we'll do general studies for you. Let's start you on your associates. So I did. I went to COCC for my first uh, um, sem- or trimester. And, I, you know, I took a few classes, intro to forestry, um, some computer classes. I tested pretty high in my math and reading. So, you know, I was like, well, you know, let's just keep go from there. That's Austin Smith Jr., who served as a Marine in the military. Austin Smith currently works for the Fish and Wildlife in the Natural Resources Department for the Confederate Tribes of Warm Springs. Dustin Saylor was another veteran I interviewed. Dustin served in the Navy. Here is the conversation that we had. After I got out of the service... Whoa, and went to college. So you went to the service. Yeah. Yeah, I was whoa. in the Navy. In the Navy. Mm-hmm. This is one thing I always wondered, too. Like, when people 
join these military um, branches? Like, what makes you decide which one you want to go into? Boy, I don't know. Family is it? I think that has to play. I think uh, community. I think race slightly has something to play in it. Really? I think so. Were there a lot of Indians when you were in there? There were. So this is one thing that I found out that was really neat. Uh, When you look at the statistics of the population serving in the military, when you take it in terms of context with population or the population per race, the, the, the percentage per race that's serving, no race serves more than Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Our size of population and the percent serving, we outdo everybody. Really? All, you know, and it's, I, I met a lot of different natives, uh, Navajos. Um, of course, you always meet the Cherokees. That seems to right. be the, you always meet them. <laughs> um, couple of Choctaws. Uh, let's see here. There, there was a good amount, you yeah. know. And I know that in the Army and Marines, there's even more. Yeah. Um, so. Where did you sign up for the initial, um, this is what I'm going to do. This is like what's going to happen. Well, I was going to go in, uh, originally I was going to go in the Marines. Okay. That's kind of what I was planning. And then at the time I was um, going to this one church in Arizona and my youth pastor down there, he was a Navy guy. He served in the Navy and he he didn't talk too much crap about the Marines. I mean, he, he did kind of, <laughs> he did give him a couple good jokes, but you know, he was really just talking about the travel and seeing all these different countries and experiencing all this stuff. And and I guess that's kind of what really sold me is um, going to some of these countries like, like Australia. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think we were talking about that last time, how uh, any American guy should go to Australia. Definitely. Why, why should an American guy go to Australia? So one of the best things, and this is for single American guys, obviously. <laughs> I'm not going to try getting anyone right, in trouble. Right, but, right, right. Um, you know, there's in certain parts and where I was – there's one guy to 10 women. That's the ratio. Wow. And I'm a single guy. Yeah, yeah. We, heck, we can both head down there, man. We can go have some fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but they, they, and it's the opposite. So the girls ask you out. The girls open the door for you. The girls pay for dinner. The girls, I mean, they just do everything. I, I mean, feel like I'm missing out. So, and this happens down there. It does, yeah. And you'll see some of the just strangest, kookiest guys get some just knockout, <laughs> beautiful women. You're like, What did you what? discover this? So, like, you were walking around down there? And, yeah, yeah. Or you so, was told ahead of time? Well, uh, so my youth pastor told me that, you know, it's great down there. And he told me about a couple experiences that he had and had just yeah. a blast and, uh, and, um, just the travel and everything. And so then I got down there in 2004 was my first, my first time there in Perth, Australia. Where are some other places you got to travel on this? Uh, your Navy yeah, I um, so my first official foreign port was Victoria, British Columbia, mm-hmm. and uh, I was there for a few days. Got to check that area out. Pulled back out, uh, did some more floating around the ocean for a while, then went down to Hawaii, Pearl Harbor, and I've been to Pearl Harbor probably about ten times. Yeah, and then I've been up to uh, Sasebo, Japan twice, Pusan, South Korea. I've been in Hong Kong. Um, what, two times, Singapore, Malaysia twice, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Wow. Well, I was on a aircraft carrier oh, okay. for my, for pretty much the whole four years I was in, uh, I was aviation ordnance man. I worked on super Hornet F-18 super Hornet aircraft and, uh, responsible for all the bombs, missiles, rockets, defensive countermeasures, the gun, and all the associated computers. So you load that onto the aircraft. Load it, 
you hook it everything up and then you had to jump in the aircraft and you'd run you'd pretty much start everything up i mean you wouldn't fire up the motor but you, right. the computer systems you'd fire up and you'd make sure they're talking to each other and they see it and uh, you kind of get the the problems out of the way then so like even you have to kind of like if you load all these weapons and bombs you have to tell the computer how much is on board yeah yeah we'd have to manually go in yeah and input whatever particular type of weapon it was because it wasn't smart enough to you know even though we'd hook them up with the computer you, i mean you have this cable that you hook between the two it still wasn't able to recognize each particular one because we had oh, i'm trying to think of how many weapons we were able to carry we had 11 weapon stations and there's just so many there's so much in our arsenal um you know, I bet you there's over at least a hundred different pieces of ordnance that we were flying. Yeah. You know. Does the weight limit change when you drop certain bombs or whatever? So we can the what we were able to pack on the Super Hornet was and this is pretty much our biggest load, would have been four two thousand pound bombs, two four two thousand pound mm-hmm, bombs. Two one thousand pounders, uh, a center line drop tank full of four hundred and eighty gallons of fuel. You'll have on one side uh, what they call an AT flare. It's your advanced forward-looking infrared. So when, like, you see the pictures of the war and you see that green screen, right, right, that that's your forward-looking infrared. Mm-hmm. And and then on the other side, you'll have in your other hip station. You have what's called a, a, an AIM-120, which is an advanced medium-range air-to-air missile, and it's just an air-to-air just for self-defense. Yeah. And then you'll have two wingtip missiles, same thing, and then you'll have. Just over 400 rounds of 20 millimeter high explosive incendiary. Like bullets? Bullets, yeah. How big are those? They're man? probably about that long. Like 12 inches? And they're, for, yeah, it's close to a foot. Boy. And they're probably about that big around. About three inches around. It's pretty big, yeah. It's, oh, it's a wow. good size shell. It's That's a lot of lead to throw through the air. Yeah. That's crazy. So being out there on the ocean, too, what, what was that like? Anybody get seasick or did you have to adjust to that? You know, when we went through some storms, See, that's the thing, too, because I've I, I only been on the ocean, like, maybe twice, but it wasn't, like, deep sea ocean. This is, like, off off the coast. Just off the coast, yeah. Yeah, yeah when you get pretty pretty far out there, you hit these big storms. When I was heading to Japan my first time back in 04, we're cruising along left Hawaii and beautiful weather all right. the way out. You know, it's great. And then we start getting close to Japan. It gets really choppy. It's getting real bad. And then um, our weather guy, or maybe it was the navigator, came across the one MC and he's like, um, yeah, so we're, we're getting ready to move through some bad storms here. We're going to go right in between two tsunamis. Wow. And everybody kind of just paused and like, yeah, like, is this normal? In between them? Like <laughs> what? Like, why can't we just turn around and go the other way? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And they're like, no, no, this is going to be the safest way, the best way, but we got a lot of work to do. So we had to go chain down all the aircraft. You had to lock down everything and all the workspaces uh, in your rack. Yeah. And then everything was shut down for about three days straight as we went through in the ship that's 100,000 tons by itself. And How many had, people on board do you think? We're close to 6,000. Oh. Yeah, we're, clo- we're real close so to 6,000. it's 6, like 000. a little city on there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we have our own power plant. We have our own water distillation plant. You have the sewer. You got the food areas, uh, the air. Any recreation areas? Well, Sort of. I mean, you kind of have a couple gyms smashed throughout the the ship. Yeah. Uh, you have the like, so on top is the flight deck. Yeah. Below the flight deck, one. When I say this, one story is the hangar bay, mm. and it takes up probably around half of the ship, I'd say. So you can fit a bunch of aircraft down there, and that's where they do a lot of maintenance. Yeah. But they do do a lot of 
activities down there. Yeah. You know, basketball and whatnot happens when they pull the, the net out. And uh, it's kind of tough, though, because, you know, the ship's constantly moving. <laughs> I know, right? That'd be kind of weird to play ball like that. It, it's really tough, I mean, especially when you're lifting weights because, I mean, so we can control. Uh, this is the neat thing about the carriers, and I think it's only with the carriers. They'll take the fresh water supply because we have a, a lot. Yeah. I, I don't even know the, the size of our, of our water tank. But they'll move that from one side of the ship to the other to help control the list. So it's not doing oh, this so, so bad. Yeah. yeah, so it's just more like this instead of like Bouncing it going out. way crazy. And the only thing you got to worry on is the front to back then. Yeah. But still, when you're sitting there, you know, going all over the place, and um, it's just it's different. Yeah. You know, you, you come off the ship sometimes when you go to shore and you're kind of walking side to side. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are they doing? Why are they walking like that? You could tell the sailors when they get there. Yeah. You know, What's the can. longest you've been out there on a trip like that? We were we were in the Gulf, I want to say, uh, straight out, just though, just under 45 days yeah. straight. And then what they what they have to do, 45, yeah. So at the 45 days, they have to give you what they call a beer day. <laughs> really? And, yeah. And uh, it's just required by law. Or it's just been this old tradition for the Navy, first off, and it's just required by the rules. So what they normally do in that time, they'll just pull back into a port. Yeah. And uh, then we'll get a couple days there. And that's when we were over there. We was in Dubai, the UAE. Oh, okay. So that was pretty neat to see that. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of sand over there. <laughs> hey, what about cavalry? You ever eat cavalry? No, I never I never actually got to try that. Yeah. Um it was a little odd over there. You didn't a lot of us didn't really feel like staying out too late. Yeah. Like you had these you had these times like I was walking through with a couple of my buddies. We were going through this part it's called the Gold Souk. And literally this this it's just a small town yeah. of nothing but buildings full of gold. Like stores that just sell nothing but gold, gold everything. Yeah. You know, necklaces and earrings and tongue rings and all the rings you could think of. Right. And you just walk from store to store and you just barter, try getting these people down. And we were doing that one day and we were going to leave and, you know, the sun's kind of starting to come down. And all of a sudden some um, uh, some music from over there starts to play. And people are just standing there looking at you. And it's just like, man, it almost feels like Black Hawk Down or something. And Like what gets to that quiet before yeah, the start. Yeah, you know, you kind of get scared and you're like, oh, man. We we got to get out because you guys here, are in right? uniform too, right? No, no. They in that particular area, that was a um, a, a risk. You put See, yourself at higher risk because you you stand out even more. Um, but I mean, we we stood out as it was because none of us none of us fit in. You know, none yeah. of us had the long hair and the beards. We were all clean shaved heads and clean shaved faces and button up shirts, oh, you know, okay, and okay. clean jeans. And it's so like regardless, he was still a oh man, yeah. The the military, I think they did. They don't know what they're doing half the time. <laughs> just put it that way. Like the, the people in charge, right. not not the soldiers and the guys down below doing yeah. all the work, just the ones that are, you know. And how long were you in the Navy, you think? I uh, spent four years. Four years? Yeah. Okay. Right after high school and then got out in 2007. Right. What did you do after you got out of the Navy? I took a little time off. I think I took a few months just to get back into civilian life. Yeah. Uh, spend time with family. I, I spent quite a bit of time over here hanging out with everybody and trying to get back to it uh, and then pretty much just went right back into college that's dustin sailor who served in the navy a lot of folks from warren springs served and continue to enlist in the army 
Navy, Marines, and all other military services for the United States. Thanks for listening to this Veterans Day program. For KWSO, I'm Brutus Baez.